you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Oh, it feels good to be in the house of the Lord. Please remain standing. As uh, most of you know, tonight puts an end to Youth Week 2018. And what a great week it has been. We're thankful for all of our young people tonight. Come on, adults, and we're thankful for our young people. I, I want you to know something. In a world, in a time where young people are turning their backs by the droves on the church. Come on, somebody. At a time where it's easy to give in to peer pressure, We've got a good group of young people that are sitting here in the front that are sold out. They're ready to walk with God and live for God no matter what happens. Aren't you thankful for our young people tonight? In a week, in a day, in a time that it's so easy to neglect the things of God, I, want to, I just want to let you know some information. I asked Brother Jeremy to share some numbers with me. There's three nights in particular that uh, there were events going on for our young people this week. And I'm thankful for the leadership of our youth department, our student ministry, and we'll say more about that here in just a moment. But in those three nights, on Wednesday night at a youth service at our 850 Delphi Avenue location, 25 young people gathered to worship and to magnify the Lord. And in events on Thursday and Friday, each night, 33 and 30 gathered together as a group of young people. Come on, to strengthen their relationship with each other, strengthen their relationship with God. I think that deserves a mighty, mighty hand clap. Let our young people know how much we appreciate them. So now that I bragged on our young people, I want to take a moment before our speaker, our student pastor, Brother Brandon Newcomer, comes and preaches uh, to, to end Youth Week 2018. For six years, he has served this church faithfully as our student ministries pastor. He and his good wife, they've given their life to this local assembly for six years. They have served on the Indiana District Youth Committee for three or four years, four years, um, 
and we're not going to say about you getting ready to age out or anything like that. But I want you to know that these are some of the hardest working people that you will ever meet. And if you are a parent, these are some of the hardest working people uh, that you will ever find to lead the students of Christian Life Church. And you put the last six years serving here, four years serving on the youth committee. He has worked tirelessly for three years building, helping to build this beautiful building that we stand in tonight. He is a, a preacher of the gospel. He is a student pastor who teaches our students relevant topics that are, or topics rather, that are relevant to this day and age that our young people live in, things that they are facing. He seeks the face of God week after week after week so he can come here and he can minister to your children and to my children. And I want to say publicly, Brother Brandon, Sister Ashley, how much we love and we appreciate everything that you do for Christian Life Church in the student ministry and the ministry staff of Christian Life Church. And Brother Brandon's coming to preach the word of the Lord to us. Would you put your hands together and would you make him feel real welcome? Come preach the word to us tonight. Thank you so much. Amen. You're going to get me all weepy. I ain't even started. Amen. God bless you tonight. Aren't you excited to be at church? Amen. I seriously, I don't know what to say after all that, but I thank you for the, the moment, and thank you, parents, for sharing your young people with us this week. It has been an absolute blast. And this morning, we took some time to ask some questions or let them ask some questions to us over any topic they wanted. And about the third or fourth question, it was like, why don't we do this more often with Youth Week? And I said, okay, listen. <laughs> We've just got done building a church. We're going to get there. So it was such an honor and a privilege. And I thank this church for believing in us, supporting us. We have the best parents. We have the best students. We have the best church. Amen. Amen. And with that, I want to give honor to our leadership. I thank Pastor Danny and Sister Cheryl for all they do. That was too kind of words. Brother and uh, pastor and sister Jordan, amen. Let me say something. I want to, there's not a lot of pastors that will allow their brother to take credit for the elk that they shot. Amen. <laughs> if you're on Facebook, I guess you'll get that. If not, whatever. But I'm still praying our pastor gets to shoot something big. But I thank God for our pastor. I thank God he gets to rest. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Without any further uh, delay, I want to bring the word of God as I feel he's led me to tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And don't we have an awesome praise and worship team? Amen. Amen. I, I enjoy, I don't get to sit down much. I'm thankful when I do and I get to hear how the bass is supposed to go and I just get jealous and Fall in love all over again with that instrument that I've never learned how to play properly. But 
I thank God for this music team. Amen. Amen. I love Brother Isaac. I don't know where he sat down. Probably there you go. Love you, bro. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 or 2. Wherefore, seeing also, uh, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin with that so easily beset us. And let us run with patience a race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Tonight I want to preach a very simple message, but I believe it is, again, so very relevant. Above all else, I must be saved. Above all else, I must be saved. Can we pray over this message tonight? Lord, I thank you, God. Lord, I do give honor to you tonight, Jesus. I pray, saturate my lips, God. Saturate my mind and my heart. Lord, that I might bring forth the word you've given for us, God. I pray, have your way in this church, Lord. Have your way in this family of believers, God. I pray that your spirit would move amongst us, Lord. Those that might be on the outside trying to look in or not so sure, God, I pray for clarity tonight, God. I pray for understanding and wisdom, Lord. Have your way tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you turn around, shake someone's hand one more time. You may be seated. The first question that I feel to ask tonight in response to what we just read in Hebrews chapter 12 is simply, what is sin? What is sin? Sometimes I know again, and, and to think back over the years, I've been in youth ministry for more years than I've been, I don't know, about half my life I've been in youth ministry, it feels like. And sometimes the most basic questions seem to be the most complex and so when I look back at simply what is sin, because in our day and age, everything changes so rapidly. Anything that's been a standard or a pillar in believing that this is right and that's wrong is just trying to be washed away ever so quickly. The lines are trying to be blurred and black and white no longer has existence, it's just grays. And so with that, I want to go back to what is sin. Sin, when translated from the Bible, simply means to miss the mark, to miss the mark. I want to ask you, when you think of sin, what is it that you think about? Most of us in the Bible will think of maybe the Ten Commandments. We'll think of things that it says are right and wrong of what to do. Maybe some of, some of us will venture off into Proverbs and we'll see those seven abominations mentioned in Proverbs or the seven deadly sins throughout the Bible. Some will even say, well, what about Galatians 5? And it reads talking about adultery and fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, and the list will go on and on. And the, the question then kind of has a little bit of form of what is sin. The truth is sin can be found in many places and in many situations. Amen. Again, to, I, I, might, I told my young people I wasn't going to preach to them tonight, but you never know. <laughs> We, we start to grow up, and then we start to realize that 
uh, I think my brother said it today in class, you know, you, you don't ever trust yourself. That's, that's just the way you should probably live sometimes. You think you're going to make it through certain situations and, and certain instances, and you put yourself in questionable areas thinking I'm strong enough, but the truth is we should probably just not trust ourselves. Going back to what it said when I first read that scripture in Hebrews, it said how easy it is to get tangled up in sin. It said it like this, uh, uh, to be set, uh, that he set aside every weight of sin which doth so easily beset us. Amen. So I looked up the word beset because I like to know what I'm talking about. And I saw where it says that it is a persistent threat. Sin is an easy, persistent threat in our lives. It will constantly try to find its way in and out of your life. It's a trap. Traps, when they're in the woods, they'll, they'll just be set everywhere. Little bear snares, you know, that just grab your leg. And you'll see animals will have to chew off their own foot trying to get loose from a trap because it's always tied to something. It will always keep you. It will always uh, uh, just lock you down until that predator is coming to take its prey. And so, again, if, if you were to ask in this world, what is sin? They would honestly shorten your list of what sins are in your life. They would try to exclude the ones that are hard for you. Now hear me. Some of us believe that sin, honestly, is just easy stuff. But sometimes sin includes the hard stuff. And in our lives, most of the time, it's not the easy stuff that we don't have a problem staying away from. It's always the one thing that's got our name on it that we can't seem to break free from. And the world will try to tell us, go ahead and just live with that. It's okay. Live with your confusion. Live with your doubt. Live with your fear. And it will try to tell you it's okay to have sin in your life because that's not really sin. And it will mess with you. Again, a persistent threat. So then I begin to think of myself, how much sin can someone have in their life and be okay? And the answer is always none. <laughs> none sin. If you graduated, I think Sister Shauna's here. I think she graduated in English at Ball State, and I apologize. But we should all be aware the devil is behind all sin that exists. The Bible talks about him, and it says that uh, every time we hear of him, he's called the accuser of the brethren. He's called the father of lies. He's roaming about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's always trying to kill, steal, and destroy. He's called the son of perdition. I always thought it was funny. God never tries to distort who the devil is. We all know there's one devil. But if the devil was to have his way, again, blurring lines is all he's about, is to distort how many gods do we need for one devil. It always is to, to mess up our theology. His only way to keep you from a heavenly reward is, reward is to get trapped in sin. He knows sin is fun for a season. When the fun wears off and all the smoke rolls away, all that's left is a trap and a tree. And all of a sudden you're caught for years living out the fun that you used to have. Ask somebody that's tried to quit smoking. As somebody that's tried to quit an addiction they've had, it's, it's such a vice in their life that they'll go through all sorts of different therapies and, and, and patches or gums, whatever the case might be, trying to break something that used to be fun. It used to be fun. We can't be okay with any sin in our lives. And 
I know I'm not a long preacher by any means, but I always want to go back to my, my title tonight, which simply is, above all else, I must be saved. How do I know if I have sinned? You ever question that? You ever wonder if, if you're a sinner? Because that's the thing. Nobody in today's age and, and, and day, we don't like to call each other sinners, right? I, I don't. When I talk about people that, you know, uh, sinners that come to repentance, I like to say they're souls that have come to repentance. That's Scripture says sinner, but honestly, we understand we don't want just people to come in here and get bashed for being sinners, right? But truly all have sinned. We're all falling short except for the grace of God. We all have sinned. Paul recognized this about his life, and he said things like, I die daily. He talked about pressing towards the mark, forgetting all that which is behind him, moving towards the high calling of Christ Jesus. He understood every day is a different day that he's got to press towards what God has given him. I don't know about you in your life, but in this day and age, I've got to press towards what God is all about. I've got to be about him. I must be saved. There's not enough time left for me not to be saved. I don't have the luxury to mess around for 50 or 60 years. I've got to make sure I'm saved tonight. And then tomorrow I've got to check myself again and make sure I'm saved tomorrow. I can't worry about if I am or not constantly. It's what's today hold. Nobody's promised tomorrow. In our day and age, and this ain't even in the notes, this one's free. <laughs> in our day and age, we see so many people trying to predict the end of the world. I mean, there's probably one for October or November or December of this year and some crazy out there that's trying to predict a date and a time. And through it all, we just have to know that whether that is or isn't the date, God could take me tonight. He could take me tomorrow. There could be some drunk driver that doesn't obey the law. We've got to make sure above all, even before I leave this house of God tonight, I've got to make sure that I'm saved. Amen. Amen. It's beyond sins of just commission sometimes. That's the easy stuff that we can read in the Bible. But sometimes we leave out parts of our life. We omit things that God said to do. Sometimes it's what we're not doing. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and 17, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not to him it is sin. I'll define it tonight. Again, I know I'm preaching to adults alike, but to, to our young people, I want you just to know what sin is. Sin attacks our vitality. Let me go further. It attacks our love. It will attack intimacy. It'll attack your strength your soundness of mind. Sin will attack your passion, your purpose, your destiny. Sin will attack your future. Sin will attack families and generations. Sin is there to attack everything. Its whole purpose is to make it so you don't go to heaven. Sin is the very thing on this earth that is our complete uh, opposite. It's what fights us. Amen. It's not about that. The process of sin is this. 1 James 15 and 16 reads like this. Then when they desire, uh, uh, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Deception is where sin starts. Desire and sin, uh, desire, when it is conceived, it gives birth to that sin. Desire, I'm sorry, not deception. Desire is where sin starts. 
We've got to keep ourselves in check even when desire starts to take root. We can't just be ones that just have desires and never put them in check. I understand you can't control things. I know uh, a lot of times in a mall, it's never a guy that has on too short of shorts. <laughs> Maybe today, I don't know, but... It's always something you can't control when something might pass in front of you. You've got to put yourself in check. You've got to make sure that you keep yourself okay. Lord, that's there. What do I do now? Where do I turn now? How do I keep from going further into sin? I've got to make sure I put myself in check. Sin is not obvious. It's not obvious in its intention to enslave us sometimes. It's deceitful. It controls us by hardening our hearts. I'm trying to tell you, uh, say what you want, but we are in a spiritual war that we are fighting against sin in this world. Amen. It's never flesh and blood that we should worry about. But so oftentimes that's where fear, doubt, uh, 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 stress, emotions, it always comes from fear of people. People's nothing to be afraid of. Now in my home... Growing up, we were afraid of people. It's my mom. I love her. We kept the doors locked. We kept, and we lived in Elkhart, so it had, had a little bit of danger to it. I'll give her that. But we lived on this little street that wasn't the way to go. So we would expect in the summertime about four cars all day long to go down that street. Four cars. You could tell if a car has been down twice. You start to get nervous. Like, what's that all about? Why, what, they coming to take me? Are they scoping the area? You'd get yourself in all sorts of a tizzy. If the car went by three times, something's messed up. You call your mom. You get in. You lock the doors. You get mace out. You call the cops. You just warn them. Something's going to happen. But life is not about fear of people. I can't fear God I, I, or people. I cannot have my, my scope set on people like I need to have them set on the things that are beyond people. You know why the world can't understand this? If you're taking notes, you write this one down. We believe in something called supernatural. They don't understand why we're not in the sports all the time, why we, we dress different, makeup, all that other stuff. They think it's all a natural thing. But supernatural simply means uh, superseding the laws of nature. And so when we believe in supernatural things, it keeps our mind out of normal things. This is why talking in tongues is weird to so many people. Because that's against the law of nature. But we believe in the supernatural, and I want Christ inside of me, so it takes us to a level where I've got to say, if I'm going to fight in this world, it's got to be against those things. My fight has to be against principalities and powers and not the things of flesh and people. i got to make sure my war is the way it's supposed to be. That's why the world doesn't understand us. Again, above all else, I must be saved. They might not understand why we don't get drunk with them, why we don't partake of the things of this world with them. It's because sin, again, so easily can beset us. The third thing I begin to ask myself that I feel God might want us to ask is how do I get rid of sin? And this is the crux of it all. Again, I, I'm, I always thank God I'm not too long of a preacher. <laughs> Short as can be, amen. Get me up there teaching in a class, I'll talk all day, but I try to keep myself precise. John, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, through, or through verse 10, it says it like this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
the first step to being a Christian, Christianity 101. If you say that you have no sin, you're deceived. And the truth is not in you. I'm not saying we can't be freed from sin. I'm saying we need to recognize that sin is prevalent and it's something we're born in. It's something we have to deal with at some point in our lives. If you've never repented, if you've never been baptized to have that remission, removing of sins as far as the east is from the west, if you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you've stopped short of everything God has for you. God's desire is that you get all of him, that you understand all of him. And so, again, to to continue on, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. It's imperative, my God is not a liar. If he says I've sinned, okay, I've got to deal with my sin. If he says I've fallen short, okay, then how do I not fall short anymore? The world would have us deny the fact that there is a God. It would have us to deny the fact that there is a need for salvation. There's a need for change in our life. I'm all about, yes, accept the Lord as your Savior. That's a great first step. But I can't stop if the Bible doesn't say to stop. And it does say repent. It does continue on. Proverbs 28 says it like this. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but for whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. It's imperative that you tell God the sin that you've committed. This is like a Bible study a little bit. You have to forgive me. We'll get there. But it's imperative that I tell God if I've sinned, it's not, hey, God, you know I've sinned. I've got to go a bit deeper And say, God, here's where I've sinned, and name it. Lord, I wasn't honest. God, I lied. I cheated. I stealed. Lord, I put things before you. I was a a person of idolatry. Do you realize idolatry is one of the biggest things we seem to face? It's anything we put before him is idolatry. A lot of sins, in my opinion, are wrapped up in idolatry. Because we just put importance on other things than the things of God. Maybe that's something we should check tonight. Lord, don't let me be a man of idolatry. Forgive idolatry in my life. Lord, I put you first. The Bible talks about it. And and they asked Jesus at some point, what's the greatest commandments? And he said, these two are the greatest. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart. And the second is like unto the first. Love your neighbors as you love thyself. And these two are the great commandment. He wants to be first. And when you understand how to love him, then he wants you to love your others, your neighbors. He wants you to love them as you're supposed to. God's all about that. He wants to be first. In fact, when innocence ended in Genesis with Adam and Eve, the next step that he did was to give us a conscience. It was his way to deal with everything. The first thing God does in our lives is to to deal with us through a conscience. I'm trying to at least show you how you can hear God when you've got sin in your life. And the first way that you hear him is you begin to feel when you're in a situation that's not, that's not right. I don't belong here. Young people, school parties, I get it. But you don't belong there. If it's serving different things or there's uh, things happening in different rooms, you don't belong there. You've got to keep yourself. You know what? That's, I, I don't feel right. Well, what do you mean? I, I, don't, I don't feel good about this. I'm out. I'm out. I've got to get away from this. I've got to get away from this. 
If you decide to put your conscience in check and say, you know what, I'm just going to ride this one out. I'm not going to do anything bad. It's fine. I remember I was at Ball State. Y'all got time for this? (laughs) Good, because if you don't, you're going to have to sit there and wait. I was at Ball State, and the, the dude across the hall, his name was Brandon, too. It was amazing, right? <laughs> Imagine that. Who, who knew two Brandons? He thought we were just brothers from other mothers, and we were meant to be buds and all this. And I loved the guy to death. He had stereo system speakers that were as tall as the room. And every night, he'd turn that up, and it's like, my Lord, just shut it off. <laughs> Nobody, I don't even know what the music was. It was just blaring music. And every night, every night for about the first month, he'd go, Brandon, me and you are going to a party, bro. We're going to go get drunk. And I'm like, no, we're not. You might. <laughs> we're not. And he tried to invite me to every party possible, but there was a checking of the soul. I knew. It's like, no, 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 no. If that becomes okay with me, what else? maybe something at the party, because I have no problem with alcohol. It's never an issue. But maybe something else will present itself that might be something I'm drawn to. Sin easily will try to beset us. It'll easily try to ensnare and entrap. You've got to keep yourself checked constantly. If it's friends that aren't right for you and they constantly want you to go to the wrong thing, you're done with the friends. Amen. Hallelujah. The problem is it's the same with family sometimes. If they want to have all the parties at their house and it's just unbelievable or whatever the case might be, you must decide that, okay, there's going to be something between me and you. If I begin to block my conscience, there will be a veil that will constantly come over me. This is where deception starts. Deception is a place where you can no longer determine right and wrong and and things begin to get numb and you just become okay with the situation you're in. The second thing God will do to you is he'll send you a pastor, an evangelist, a friend, somebody uh, that you haven't talked to in forever to try to convince you to change your ways if you're a child of his. If you know right from wrong and and things begin to be uh, prevalent and, and apparent, God will begin to send people to talk to you. If you turn away from that, God has one more thing that he tries his best to do. And that is, and it's hard to believe it, but God actually begins to put hardship in your life, trying to get you to change your ways. David recognized it in Psalms 119. He said it like this, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Smart man. That dude understood that it's, it's you know, I, I, I suffered that. I believe it's because I was in the wrong, so now I don't do wrong. Isn't that funny about God? We're the ones that pray for God to cast mountains in the seas, and sometimes he goes, this is the one you're going to climb over with me. Because you're going to have to endure some of this so we learn from it. That's why we don't understand sometimes. I'm not saying cancers of God. Don't get it twisted. But there are situations where you'll feel pressures and stresses and and worries and concerns. And if we don't turn those cares on God and begin to ask, what are you growing in me? What are you taking out of me? It might not be black and white in the Bible that it's sin. But God will grow us trying his best to make you everything he said he was going to make you. On Wednesday night, I began to talk to the young people, and I talked about uh, being clay on the potter's wheel. And as I always research on clay, I always find out something different. The truth is with potters, when they begin to form clay and it doesn't work out right, they'll break it down and try again. If there's dry spots of clay, they'll begin to take it out. Potters will begin to do this again and again and again until they're down to a thimble, a little bowl, whatever it takes. Whatever they can use, they'll use. And God is the ultimate potter. 
Sometimes we don't understand why he breaks us, why he changes us, why he pulls parts out of our lives, why it feels like we're just a wreck. But God is trying to tell you, I'm trying to make you. I'm trying to form you. Just get on the potter's wheel. Just let me be what I'm going to be. And you begin to let God cleanse those things out. It's, it's uh, 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 inspiring or, or, or awing when God begins to open your eyes to see there's things in your life that aren't right. My wife and I have never been into scary movies, but it doesn't mean we weren't watching them from time to time years ago. And God began to check our souls and say, why would you put that stuff in your home? And it's so simple, I'll pull it out. There's new ones out now. Everyone's getting all geared up and putting masks on and going to theaters to go watch them together and all sorts of situations. And I think that has no draw to me whatsoever. It's because he put it in my heart. It's, it's something I don't want in my life. I don't want it in my house. I don't want it on my children. That's what I don't want that stuff in my life. It's never worth it. In 1 Corinthians, Paul, when he wrote it, he said, For if we would judge ourselves, uh, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. God made it so very beautiful, even in the Old Testament, when he made that laver of water, and he made it out of looking glasses. God made it so he might chasten us now. He might put some pressure, some test. He might find ways to discipline, in a sense now, so he doesn't have to later. I, I don't know who I'm reaching with that one, but some people might, you might be going through something in your life. You might have moments where you feel like God's just deserted you. Look at Job. What did Job ever do wrong? But God knew if he could take him through the process, it was a doubling that would happen. God's a God that, that does things, whether we understand or not, out of love. In fact, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, verse 32 at that point, it, it, it says, uh, uh, if I'm reading right, um, but we are not judged. We are chasing the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. It's all about keeping ourselves cleansed from the world. God loves you deeply. He loves you dearly. And he will try every way he can to keep you from being locked in sin. To those of you that might know the sin or the vice that's attached to your life, I'm not preaching with condemnation. Please hear me. I want you here. This church wants you. We've got to be a family. We've got to be together. Amen. And God wants to draw you out. God wants to pull you out of that fire. He wants to pull you out of those addictions and those chains. And God can do it in a moment. What seems like might, might take the world for years for you to get off of something, God can change in a moment. He can be the peace that you've sought. He can be the rest that you've desired. God can change everything. Hebrews chapter 12, it even it mentions further, it says, Now no chastening uh, for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. In other words, when you go through this stuff, last year I went through some chastening. I was at a job where I took a position. It's not that it was a wrong choice or whatever, but I felt absolute oppression, depression. And, man, I, I told our young people, I said, I lost like 30 pounds in January. I wasn't on no diet. I give credit to the Daniels Fast if you want, but it, wasn't, it was long past that or before it or whatever. It was, it was such a, a spirit of just, man, I wore everything heavy. The job I was in, the position, it was so much it was it seemed like there was no joy 
it was taken. The Bible says that now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. It hurt. Sometimes the situations of life hurt, but if you'll hang on, if you'll just tie a knot in the end of that rope and hang on, God will pull you through. Hear me. God will bring you out. He'll make it to where your future is joy. He'll make it to where your, your future has hope. It has a, a life to it. It'll have a, a joy to it. That's who God is. Finishing that verse, it says, Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. As the music comes, I want you to stop and think about some persecution. It might come your way. It's in order to quicken you and to save you. In fact, the lyrics of the song, above all else, read like this. More than security, more than success. If I must choose to own one thing, I'd choose Jesus or the rest. For if I should obtain the goal to gain this world and all it holds, and then if I should lose my soul, then I have lost it all. Verse 2 reads, even though the soul of those I love seem oh so dear. Hear that. Even if the souls of those I love seem oh so dear, more than others I must take my own salvation sure. It I to others show the way, and then I become just a castaway. The price I can't afford to pay, my soul is worth it all. For above all else, I must be saved. For above all else, I must be saved. The course reads, for whatever you have to do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity. For above all else, I must be saved. I want you to stand with me tonight. Some of you have taken steps towards salvation. Here's the truth of salvation. We're still here. I'm not saved yet because I'm still here. I might be the living sacrifice, but between the Old and New Testament, something changed. Sacrifices in the Old Testament stayed there. In the New Testament, we can walk off. We're to be the living sacrifices of God, but that, that's a call to the church. We can easily walk off our altar that we're supposed to stay on till he comes. To those that have never chosen to take an altar with God, let me again explain it to you. Peter preached to the masses. And then in chapter 2, verse 37, they simply asked, Men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said unto them, You must repent. I didn't just show you sin tonight so that there was no call for response. I believe tonight for some it's going to be an altar of repentance. Repentance means a turning away from that which you know is wrong. We're all at different levels of what's wrong in our lives with God. Amen? The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. Some of us are at the much level where much might be required. We might have been given so much talent, so much financial money or stability or, or peace or uh, uh, the mindset. You have intelligence. Much might be required and much might be asked tonight to repent about. But to some of you, it might simply be, I've never asked God to forgive me before. 
I've never asked God to just remove the, the, the scales on my eyes that I've, I've thought this was all okay, but there's so much I've got to change. So the first step I believe in life is to repent after you've now acknowledged God is your Savior and He can save you. You must repent. Then Peter continued and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. I love the fact this has been used already. Amen. Amen. We put it up here for, I'm sure, a variety of reasons. It's never one to poke fun or just to put you in front of the world. But it is such a staple in our lives. We believe in this. We're not hiding this in the back room. We want you to know baptism is still essential. Baptism is still part of life. And God wants you to be baptized in his name. Amen. When I turn this praise team loose, if you want help, I'll help you. I'll pray with anyone that wants to pray. If you want to get baptized and I'm not busy, let's go get baptized. Let's go do what we need to do so God can save us. And then he continued on. He said, after you're baptized, then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Again, it's a supernatural thing, not our natural thing. It's allowing him to finally be where he wants to be. So tonight, with eyes closed, maybe if hands lifted, if you're comfortable, I want you to begin to search out your own soul. If you feel called to the front to pray, I want you to find a place where you can find yourself in a place of repentance or in a place calling out to God, Lord, check my soul. Chasten me if you must, God. But whatever it is, I must be saved. Above all else, I must be saved. I open these altars tonight. Won't you find a place to pray? Won't you find a place to check your spirit up against his? See how he's calling you.